Hey everybody, I'm really excited about today's episode. I talked with Manuel Herrera, and we had a really great conversation about so many of my favorite things. We talked about creativity, art, visual literacy, and why we sometimes may put our creative practices aside. Manuel shared about his impactful career in education and ed tech, and his epiphany of the power of drawing to reflect ideas. He also talked about his journey in creating and sharing his own art. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Manuel Herrera. All right, welcome to the Building Thinkers podcast today. I'm so excited to be joined by Manuel Herrera, and we are going to talk all things sketchnotes, um, artists being a creative, uh, maybe some making thinking visible. And so, Manuel, thank you so much for agreeing to come on and chat together. Yeah, no, no, yeah, thank you, Trace, for asking. I, you know, I'm, I'm always excited to share what I do and what I've learned and where I'm going. So yeah, happy to be here. And we chatted a little bit before that we have several Venns in our diagram from uh, our teaching time, from our ed tech time, <laughs> and you just got back from ISTE. And so um, I'm excited to hear, maybe you can start with a little bit of your story, you know, how you got to what you're doing now, and you can take us on your journey however you want to get there. Sure. Oh, man. Um, so, well, I mean, I started off really as a uh, as a classroom teacher, and that was really unexpected in, in general. So I, you know, went to college in Texas, Texas State or Southwest <laughs> at the time, uh, and I was a business major, really didn't know where I was going. That's I think that's what most business majors do is, yeah, I got to go to college and, and figure this out. So kind of started off in, uh, with that route and um, ended up in education. I had friends that were in education. Um, knew kind of my experience with it and what, you know, how I could contribute and how I could maybe make it better. And it was really through a lot of conversations with friends that, you know, you know, you'd be a great educator. And so I, I kind of jumped in and went back and got my teacher certificate and um, started classroom teaching. I started in Round Rock, Texas as a special education teacher in middle school. So I was in Deer Park Middle School. Started off there and you kind of get thrown into it. I mean, no matter what kind of preparation you do or what kind of college you do, uh, you're just thrown into it, really. And uh, I kind of had to figure out how to make this work. Like, how do I teach kids? How do I work with kids? You, you, bring, you try to bring some of the stuff you're, you learned um, to the table. But what it, what it came down to was, for me, was like, how did I learn? And what, what, because a lot of what I was already seeing when I started teaching was kind of just the same way teachers had always taught. And I, I was never good with that. I was, I was not a model student. I was not a good student. Um, you know, I needed something different. And so that's really how I approached education was like, what would I, what would I have liked to have had when I taught? And so that's really where I started. And interestingly enough, that's kind of how I landed where I landed now. Um, so a lot of the things that I was doing were strategies that helped me as a kid. Um, and one of those things was a lot of visual drawing, just trying to represent things that people were saying with pictures and images. Um, so I started off doing that. So that's where I started middle school. I started coaching track and cross country just to kind of expand what I was doing. And, um, the drawing was something that like I was excited about. I started to do it. Kids kind of started to like attach to that. I was also working with a, a population of students who struggled in class. So I was an inclusion teacher is what we called it, um, in Texas, but I was using these strategies and my kids were kind of following along and understanding and it was working. Um, but I would get the same pushback from the teachers that I was working with that I got as a kid doing this. So 
it was a lot of like, oh, Herrera, you, you, you can't teach notes like that. You can't work with kids like that's drawing. That's not, that's not what you do. And uh, it was kind of discouraging and upsetting because this is how I made sense of the world around me. And, you know, I was doing it in college, especially. Um, and it didn't have a name or whatever. I was just drawing. Like my friends would ask like, what dude, why are you drawing all this stuff? And I'm like, that's just, that's just how I learn. It makes sense of things. It organizes ideas. And then I, again, got this pushback. So for a, for a few years, I would like kind of do it covertly, uh, with kids. And, you know, I, I, I think a turning point in drawing with kids was, um, eighth grade. We were, I was teaching eighth grade inclusion and we would take this, this test called the bill of rights test. And it was all about the government, all about the branches of government. And my kids, I basically would have to reteach them. Like I'd pull them out or we'd go to a classroom for tutoring or whatever. And basically would draw this graphic organizer of the branches of government. And I would start with the buildings and talk about the buildings and what the buildings were and what they represented and who, who kind of quote unquote lives inside these buildings. And, you know, legislative branch had Congress and Congress was made up of two branches or two pieces, the house and Senate. We would, so we would draw this stuff out. And anytime I would reference that, I would draw it and draw it and draw it. And like, you know, two days later, I would redraw everything and talk about it. And um, my kids just got it. It seemed like it made sense. Again, it was, it was around memorization for the most part. And I, st I remember going to take the test or walking with, you know, going to class and the kids were going to take the test. And all my kids turned their papers over and they started to draw what we talked about. They didn't start the test. They just drew. And it was like, oh, my God. And the you could just see the teacher like, like, what's going on? What are they doing? And my kids just killed it. Like, they nailed it. And they did so great. They did great. And, they, and I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this work. And I'm going to continue with drawing. And so I did that. I incorporated that into my drawing. I eventually started to teach eighth grade math. And uh, I would, again, use a lot of drawing with kids. And that kind of kind of stopped. I, I took a role, ended up leaving the classroom and took a role in ed tech. And um, I had mentioned earlier to you that I, my my role was um, God, what we call it, instructional technology coach or something like that. But I, I just started working with Promethean boards, and that's all I did. So then I got a, I got into professional development in ed tech and went to my first TCEA, and I was like, oh my God, what is this? Like, this okay, is what amazing. Year? I need I to know live what year this, this was, because I need to, like, we were at all Man, the same it, places. I just don't know if the years were exactly the same. Like, yeah, what were you doing in 2012? This had to have been, oh man, 2012, this is, so this is past that. That's this. I would have been here in Austin, I mean, that's Austin. I'd have been here in St. Louis. This had to have been like 2009, okay. 2009. I think it had to have been, because that was the year I did that. And then I, um, and then after that, I can't, I moved to St. Louis. And so then I, then I got into ISTE, never went back. I still haven't been back to TCEA, um, since then. So no, that's when I started to go to ISTE, uh, was 2010. Okay. Yeah. I think that's like, we probably could have crossed paths at some point in, in Texas or in Austin. And I think we just like, just missed each other. Um, but yeah, so I, I ended up in St. Louis and it was in the ed tech world and it was amazing. Uh, I loved it. I mean, you know, this was kind of the early start of interactive whiteboards. I think when I left Austin or left Round Rock, we were still, we still had Palm Pilots. We were using Palm Pilots and netbooks and interactive whiteboards. And I came here and it was still the same thing, like interactive whiteboards. That was like the biggest, the big trend. And then it became iPads and then, you know, so forth. Um, so yeah, I, I spent the last 12, I guess, 12 years, 13 years of, of my educational career in ed tech. And it was awesome. It was great. I loved it. I started to get into professional development, which which kind of led to like some of the speaking that I do and some of the workshops that I do. 
But one of the things that really stuck with me was, so as a kid growing up, being a kid who had always created or always thought I was creative or, or being told I was creative, just like always making and building and drawing and all that stuff, we, I, was, I started to see this like swap of creativity and creative ability and creative exploration for technology. I started to see this like, if you, if you, and I'm holding it here in my hand, if you hold, if you buy this iPad uh, and you give it to kids, they are gonna be creative. And, and it was at some point, like I, I was part of an initiative where we, we bought iPads and that, that's not what happens. <laughs> you know, like you don't just give kids, you don't give teachers devices and they magically become creative. I think that's a, that is a, a way to think and that's a way to like work through problems and there's a process to it. Everybody's process is different. And I just realized like, I don't know, I think we're doing some like injustice in a sense of uh, just simply handing a device to somebody like, like there's something missing. And so I, I kind of dwell on that for a little while. And it wasn't until I got to my, my last role that I really started to explore that. And, and one of the pieces that led me to be where I am is, uh, and I tell the story all the time, is I'm, I'm in a classroom, I'm, a, I'm an ed tech coach or ed tech coordinator. I have this classroom, I have all the technology that you can imagine, the tools, the, the 3D printer, the laser etcher, the iPads, the GoPro, I had everything. And kids would come in to, to work on projects. And, and I was across the district, but I was housed at a high school. And kids would come in and they're like, yeah, we're supposed to make, you know, you name it, a video, a podcast, a, you know, whatever it was, the kids would come in to make. And I would say, okay, so like, what are, what are you thinking? Like, what are you going to do? And they really didn't have an answer. They would just be like, I don't know. This teacher said I had to do it. So um, we got to use your 3D printer. So um, yeah, just show us how to use it. So it was just like this, there was no interest in the creative process. And so... Interestingly enough, you know, I had kind of put the crayons in the box mm. up until this point. And so I said, okay, I had kids come in and say, hey, we want to use your 3D printer. We want to, we got to make this design or create this design. I said, okay. I said, uh, what is it you're going to make? And, they, and they're all just talking over each other and not really knowing what they want to do. And I said, well, let's, let's sit down. Let's sit at the table. We're, we're doing this in the door. And um, I said, okay, tell me again, what is it you're trying to make? What are you trying to create? What are you, what are you trying to solve or what problem? And I just started to draw what I thought they were thinking about because I needed to know what it was so that I could help them. And kind of mid-drawing, um, the kids started to like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, okay, yeah, that, that's what we want to do. Okay, no, okay, can we do it this way? And they would grab the markers and we're, we're literally just on, like, on this classroom table and they're, we dry erase and they're just drawing with me. And we're just working this out and it's just like holy Beep. we're not sorry we're not doing this with kids like this is this is what we're missing yeah. like we're missing this piece mm -hmm. you know and so i did it with this group those kids left another group came in same thing like hey herrera we need to use your 3d printer and I'm like cool let's sit at the table and i would draw it out and probably after two or three groups um the kids would come with drawings like they would come with drawings to me I think it got back to the classroom like her he's gonna make you draw like he's gonna make you draw something and and that really like you know kind of set me in a traje trajectory that is where I am now and it all came back to drawing like it was all about thinking and all about uh, coming up with a solution working with each other communicating ideas and really understanding um, what it is we're trying to do um, and it, it was it was great and it was amazing and and here I have this role in 
ed tech and I had been in that role at that point, I don't know, seven or eight years. And now I'm telling people, don't come to me with technology. Let's sit in with a piece of paper or dry erase marker and let's really like work through this. Because then when we have a solution, then we can pick which tool we want to use. Like, do we need to make a website? Do we need to make a video? Do we need to make a podcast? Do we need to make a brochure or whatever it might be? It wasn't starting with those um, in products and kind of, you know, working backwards. It was more of like really understanding audience. So then I, I really started to explore design. What does it mean to design? What, is, what does that really mean? Um, design isn't just um, the pretty stuff or creative or it's really trying to solve a problem, you know, having a, you know, um, a problem that, that exists, trying to solve it for a, a particular audience. And so that really started to change the way I thought about things. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's kind of where, how I landed in, in where I am. And, um, you know, design thinking started to come up. Like I started to explore that, like what is, what is design thinking? And, and then interestingly enough, um, I came across a, uh, a Ted talk and it was Sunny Brown and she had talked about, I can't remember the name of her Ted talk was, but it was all about doodling. Yes. Doodle revolution. And, and listening yes. to her, um, talk about this. And the and science like, and the research God, like, and the multimodal learning and all that yeah. stuff. You weren't like you were doing something that was really working, but just nobody knew what it was. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, okay, yeah, she's putting bigger words, better words, research behind what I'm trying to do. Like, I'm like, cool. Somebody else understands this and learns this way and is really putting the effort into kind of communicating that and putting that out there. And so that's when I came, you know, Sonny Brown, you know, Mike Rohde and, you know, Dan Rome. Like I started to really start to explore like, holy cow, like this whole, this exists, this is out there. And, um, I got excited and, uh, you know, I started to offer these as workshops with my teachers in my district. Uh, I started to attend ISTE and not just attend, but then I started to put in proposals. Um, but the funny part about the proposals was that I would get accepted for these proposals um, and it had nothing to do with technology. Like it had not, and I would go to ISTE and I would go to FETC or uh, South by Southwest wasn't so necessarily tech related, but it was interesting to be in those circles, but not talk about technology. I would talk about the connection and what, you know, where it came in, but so it was just, <laughs> that's, and that's where, you know, I, I got excited and, and it was cool to hear. And, and part of it became this, you know, like, I don't know, nudge to my high school teachers and to the teachers that I first started to work with. Like, look, I told you so. Like, I told you this is this is great and this is amazing and this works. So a bit of a chip on my shoulder. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it, it's worked out and it's gone well. And, yeah, and then I, along the way, I started to sneak in my own art. And it really was about, initially really was about simple things, simple drawings, easy drawings. You're going to talk, so it doesn't have to be perfect because you're going to explain what's on your drawing. But then eventually it became like, cool, like I'm going to sneak in some of my own drawings. And that kind of went in a direction that I was very unexpected. I cannot <laughs> believe how many like similarities there are in our learning path from really within ed tech, just yeah. like the same interest that came up into creativity. I also presented at ISTE on non-specific tech. I, I think it was making thinking visible was one of my sessions in 2016. Um, you know, similarly found the Sunny Brown YouTube video. Then I think I saw her at maybe iPad Palooza, one of Carl's events and 
I made sketch notes that then I tweeted to her and then she like wrote me back and I just was so excited. And I was just so excited that it was this medium that it was about ideas and not art. And um, so anyway, I just think it's so fascinating to hear kind of all of those different uh, trails that there's some through line there um, and, and maybe part of it is these the ideas and the thinking and that I have like two kind of different questions that I'm conflicted about which where to start but one of them is this idea that you said you put the crowns away I say crowns weird crayons that you put the crayons <laughs> away um, and I did the same thing and I was going back and looking at all of my notes and I had really detailed ones where it was really clear. I use these little micron pens. That's one of my favorite. Actually, these are unipens, but I also oh, like the micron oh, yeah. pens and I have a bunch. Anyway, yeah. So I had all these detailed physical ones and then, and this was pre-kids, um, and then I got into doing it on my iPad and I saw uh, Brad Ovenel Carter at South by Southwest do a session on visual literacy and I loved his style. I think I have a picture of, of that's his, this is his uh, kind of style. That's Brad's. Okay, so I did the same thing. I put the crayons away, but I go back and look at some of those drawings. I had a very detailed practice. So I wanna talk about why do we put those away? Why do we like stop a creative habit? And what is it like to bring that back? That's one thing. And then I want to talk about the habit of creativity and how we learn art and creativity. So why do we put the stuff away? <laughs> I was reading, like, it was a Dan Rome book that I read. Um, and he's got a couple of, several different books, but one was called The Back of the Napkin. And, you know, I, I think we put we put the crayons away because at some point, like, we think it's a very childish thing. We, we associate drawing with art at some point along the way. And, and when we start to think about art as we get older, we start to think about art as, like, perfection and beauty and pretty. And so we take all that and we kind of meld it together. And that is for a specific group of people. And we put it over there. And we are, like, we are not those people. And so that's – I think that's part of why. At least, at least what I – in talking to people and, and reading books and reading what other, other people's experiences are is, yeah, we connect art drawing to art, art to, like, artists and professions – or professionals. And that is not us. And – it's hard. It's hard to break that. It's hard to, to, to get those to not be connected um, because, you know, you go to school because you, you take an art class, whether you're in middle school, elementary, middle school, high school, college, you take classes associated with art and that is associated with right. drawing. And, you know, we have all these very uniform, structured ways of, of taking notes, or ways, ways of thinking, or they might be graphics that are built, that are built with a you know, a, a graphic design tool that makes everything, the circles perfect and your Venn diagrams are awesome and beautiful. Um, I think yeah. that's, that's what it is. And, and it was, it was Dan Rome, his book that said it's, or him and Mike Rohde, they both kind of said the same thing. And it's not about art, yeah. it's about ideas. Sonny Brown oh, has a quote that I had in the same, so the stuff I have that I'm looking at over here is all this session that I did around sketchnotes. So I have the books and all that. And I also have quotes. And one of the um, rotations that I did in this was like an exploration just of these quotes. And this one stood out to me. And, and so Sonny Brown said, the doodle has never been the nemesis of intellectual thought. In reality, it's one of its greatest allies. Mm. So not only I, I agree 100%. Like people think it's uh, it's childish. I think I 
put some of it away when I became a strategic consultant and people thought it was kind of cool, but I also had some concern that maybe it seemed childish, but uh, the reality is it was one of my assets. It's one of the ways of thinking that I knew to do. And so once I figured it out, I brought it back in and actually brought you know, sketchnoting into strategic consulting conversations. And similarly, remember sitting down with people and everybody oh. is struggling having, like trying to talk. Nobody's really listening to each other. And I start drawing out solutions, like either up on the whiteboard or in my notebook, once I felt like I had the space to do that. And, you know, problems are solved that way. Because imagine, you know, you can get that thinking out of our mind that has limited working memory, <laughs> limited ability to hold multiple thoughts at the same time, and you, you know, to connect to like the extended mind or the second brain, we now have that ability to put it out there um, in a way that lets you then analyze and think. So I, I think that there's just so much power in it, obviously. It's amazing when you do it. And, and I still even now, like as much as I draw, and as much as people know that I draw, people, I say people, people I work with will say, um, I still struggle to find like my entry point. Like, when do I break out the paper? When do I walk up to the dry erase board? When do I, to not be like, I, I'm the drawing guy. You know, it's, it, I still struggle with that a little bit. Um, but once you, once you get in and you start doing it and you, and if you treat it, at least in my experience, and you treat it in a way of like, just communicate and like, you just treat it that way. You don't treat it that I can draw pretty letters or I can draw pretty drawings. You just treat it as a way of like, this is, I just want to make sure I know what you're saying. Help me. It's very much like the response. So what I hear you saying is rather than doing that, it's you draw it and you show them, is this what you're telling me? And I've noticed that like some people like you kind of see like the eyes. Oh yeah, that is, I don't even know what I was. I mean, I know what I was saying, but I never really pictured it in a way. I feel like that's when it really catches on with people when you can take what they're saying. And for me, it's just for the purposes of me trying to understand, I'm going to draw it out. And when they see like their ideas developed in a simple sketch, they're kind of like, Oh yeah, that works. Like that makes sense. Yeah. So with that said, I do, I have this love hate. I will say with sketch noting, I have a love hate with it in a sense of, I love it because it makes sense. I love it because it, 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 it captures ideas, it captures thinking, thinking. I have a hard time at times because what we will see on social media or in websites or in things are, are very artistically done notes or very, and, and I'm guilty of it. I will do it. And I, you could probably look, you know, two months ago and I probably did it is I will see they are very detailed, intricately done drawings. And sometimes that's not what needs to happen. We do those because, you know, maybe we have practiced enough and we have built up the skills to, to represent information that way, or, you know, what, or we, we've just done it in an artistic way. I find that that can be discouraging. Mm -hmm. Like that can be discouraging to people. Like you talk about sketch notes and I've told people in my sessions, like Google sketch notes and they will Google and you will see, you know, usually very colorful, very beautiful, again, artistically done drawings. And, and I will say, like, I'm not going to ask you to do this. If you want to do this, yes, let's go have a session and let's go talk about, like, all that. But if you just want to talk about ideas, and then usually I'll show examples of, like, this is how I do it with kids. Yeah. This is how I do it with teachers. And it's, a like, circle, very circle, a triangle, and lines is all you need. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is very much that. And then they're like, oh, I can do that. And I'm like, absolutely, you can do that. So 
for me, a lot of it's like entry point, like entry point for the masses. Like, I, sure, like my artists and the people who love to draw are going to jump on board early. But I'm, I'm very much like, I need, I need to get everybody, as many yeah. people as I can on so board. So it sounds like that the teacher side, the educator side, you know, has that desire for the yeah. accessibility to bring kind of this gift to others, to make it accessible. Mm -hmm. Whereas some people would want there to be like the distinction, I'm an artist and I want my stuff yeah. to be inaccessible so mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm the paid version of this and you all do your little scribbles over there. But it's not that, that's what's so beautiful is like yeah, you have, sure. I've seen your beautiful commissioned art and the amazing things that you're doing and you're teaching and wanting to bring that accessibility. If that's, if that's the right characterization of your current work. No, that's, that, that's perfect. Like, that's what I try to do. Like I try to like have my, my hand in both worlds because I am a creative, I am an illustrator, I am an artist, but I also like, yeah, I, the educator in me, like, you know, even now as I'm starting to branch out of education and one of the groups of people that I'm working with now uh, are marketers, people who are in marketing like and, and branding and again, they're still creatives, but they're creatives in a very digital world and trying to get them. You're going to be working with clients and you're talking to clients and you're interacting with clients in the moment. Like how do you capture it in the moment? Yes, you're going to deliver some very beautifully polished, whatever it is in the end, but you want to be able to capture what it, that conversation in some way and for them to be on board. And so I'm starting to explore that. So like, again, still like going to just very basic things and even though it is a sketched out simple thing and it may in in our minds as creatives look ugly or not as not as not as good or as polished but that's not the purpose the purpose right. is to communicate information and like just make sure we're you know on the same page. i just hear that making thinking visible in mm -hmm. that too of a brand i would imagine wants to make their brand identity visible they want to get these certain concepts across and so they have to articulate them to you in that process yeah it's a weird space so I'm, I'm exploring it i'm just learning it and maybe i could be all wrong but you know i've, I've gotten great feedback so far um, so yeah, I'm trying to like branch out outside of education and just see where this goes. So that's exciting. I'm excited about that. Nervous because now I'm, I'm learning a whole nother, you know, industry and what needs to happen and how do you capture that? What does that look like? One of the sentence stems that I love is if only people knew. And so when it often these become the little sound bites on Instagram or whatnot. And so no pressure. I think for me, if only people knew that every, everything is a process. Like it, there's gonna be some ugly side of brainstorming. There's gonna be like some thought provoking questions and we're gonna like bounce ideas off back and forth. If, if, if only people knew like that is messy and that is sloppy and that is just like this vomit of ideas when you're trying to brainstorm, it's a mess. And if, and if people just knew like, that's just part of it. You need to get those ideas out. You need to get thinking out. You need to, and then you organize it all. Like that's the struggle with brainstorming sometimes is you can kind of go with the improvs of yes and kind of, kind of things, but just putting those out there is just letting it sit and it's acknowledging that, you know, that's an idea that I had great or not. You just put it out there. Don't even judge it. I think if only people knew like <laughs> all the process that goes behind what the final product that you see, you know, the Nike shoe that you buy or the song that Taylor Swift has sung. Like if you only knew like the mess mm -hmm. that went behind that. And I think that has always been my, like, I guess, I don't know what you would call it, but my way of thinking is 
you don't always just come up with these ideas. Sometimes people do, and some people are very talented, and that works a certain amount of times. But there's a lot of sloppy, gross, nasty, just of just things that happen that you have to make sense of. And, you know, that's just part of it. And that's the beauty of it. It really is. You know, I try to do it with my own kids. Both my kids are at an age where they're creating, they're making, they're doing, they're learning. And, you know, they're never happy with what they create. And I'm like, that's part of the process. Like, that's just part of it. It's just messy. It's not going to be good. Like, if I looked back, I mean, even a year ago, what I was doing, I, I still, and, you know, I'm like, oh, that's gross. <laughs> like that, mm, what was that? But, but, I, but I'm here yeah. now. Like, this is where I am. It took me that point to arrive. I am a recovering perfectionist. And so this is very challenging for me. <laughs> And I have many a half-written blog post that's not good enough because I didn't have all the research and I didn't have my sources cited and APA and ridicu ridiculous sure. things. But somehow with sketchnoting, I think I got past it because, well, first of all, it was like the very beginning of Instagram. That's how old I am. And uh, when I started doing the sketchnoting, so nobody knew how to <laughs> use Instagram. So I have way too many pictures of like my Thanksgiving dinner and like my dog's faces like really close, although that's still fine. Um, but I did this sketchnote <laughs> habit thing. I think it was like doodle a day. That's what it's called. Hashtag doodle a day. It may still exist. And when I was learning to do sketchnoting on my iPad because I wanted my stuff to look really cool like Brad's stuff, um, I did that. And so I have these images where it's like a duck or um, one day it was a snow globe. And they're so ugly. But I posted them on Instagram every day for this time period to just – and now I can yeah. see my growth in how I use the paper, pencil, you know, thing. Um, and I so what I'm getting at here is – Creativity we think of as this kind of ethereal magic, but I have found it to be like, it can be like that. And when I'm in flow, I totally feel that way and all that. But I think more often it's a discipline. It's a habit. It's a continual willingness to show up and to ship it or post it or share it, even when you don't think it's good enough. And I'm curious, you know, of your perspective on if somebody wants to build a habit of creativity, first of all, do you agree? Like, do you think it's a discipline? Do you think it's a habit? Do you think it's something that people can do and figure out? Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, like, you know, that's with anything, whether you're a child who's 10 years old and says, I want to be a baseball player or I want to be a football player or a basketball player. Like you go out and you swing and you miss or you miss the shot. It's an air ball or you miss the pass or you, do, you drop a catch. Like that is just part of it. It's just, you you have this idea that you want to be it. And there's an end goal that you want. So you're going to go through all the bumps and the bruises of like not doing well to whatever standard you're measuring it against. Whether you're measuring your standard against a professional or, or an, usually it's a professional because that's what we know and we see. You, you have to do it. It is, it's just, it's forming habits and knowing that you're going to, you're, I say fail, but you're going to not, you're not going to meet that standard that you have in your head. Um, really, in, in imposter syndrome, once you get really good at it, imposter syndrome will sneak in and it'll still tell you, you know, mentally, ah, you're not still not. It, it is still just you're, it, forming habits, doing those things, telling yourself that you want to be that. Um, it is discipline, like absolutely, like with anything, anything we do, we just... In, in, in creativity or in, in, a, in a creative expression, arts, I guess you could say, um, it, we, sometimes we might feel they're unattainable because we're, it's not just our, our thing. But 
And that's fine, but maybe that isn't your thing. Your thing might be accounting or spreadsheets or, you know, whatever I would consider boring. But you, you do those things. You, you do them over and over again. You mess up. You figure it out. You, we can just document because we can draw. We draw. Like, there is a documentation of that. But there, it, it takes practice, and it's whether you're determined to, to get there. And the beauty in that is you might find out that you're on this path, and it may go that way. And you're just like, I never thought. So for an example that I've experienced and watched it happen, where when I was working in school still, I had kids who were like, I want to be a game designer. I want to be a video game designer. I want to design video games. I love video games and blah, 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 blah. So we, we put all the things in place. We made all the, you know, the environment to be what it needed to be for kids to be video game designers. And I had two kids. Um, they were older and they loved, they loved it. And they were in it and they would be, you know, on a project to design a video game, you know, four or five days, six days, and they're still designing graphics. And that, that is where they are. And they just can't, they can't get past making the character because he doesn't look right. He doesn't move right. He doesn't whatever right. And it's like, okay, so I don't know that you want to design video games so much as you want to design characters or be a graphic designer or you want the art. So it's great to have people around you that can see that and recognize that. Um, because, you know, he, you know, these kids in the end, like, I don't know, it's two, three weeks designing a character, but it was like, you want to design a video game, but you spent all your time on a character like that, which yeah. is fine, but maybe that's where you want to be. Maybe that's the role you want to have. So there's beauty in yeah. that too. Like there's some greatness in like playing in that and, and having people around you that can recognize those things. I didn't recognize that I wanted to be an artist, that I wanted to do any of the work I do. I had to have somebody mm -hmm. I knew who was in that world, tell me, hey, no, you're, you're that. Like, that's what you should be doing, and that's where you should be exploring, which which prompted me to, like, share art and share things that were outside of what I was thought I was trying to right. accomplish. Yeah, yeah, I think a piece of it that you've hit on a couple times is this play, experimentation. I, I had a session called Adopting a Posture of Experimentation that I did at South by one year, and I think I pitched it actually as a sketch note. I put that as like my submission. I had to write this stuff too, but I put that in there. And I think that there's this piece of play and exploration that I know you had in your classroom and then as you did with teachers and in your workshop, it looked like from ISTE and all of that of this this trying and experimenting and I like the it's it's the song that Shakira sang in Zootopia it's really cheesy but I love it and she talks about oh um, I will keep on making those new mistakes I will make the the new mistakes every day and I love it because it's like if you repeat the same mistake over and over, okay, now you've got like a problem. But if you're making new mistakes and you're trying new things, sure, then sure. you have just mm -hmm. expedited your learning. And so a lot of the work that I do now in learning experience design sits at that intersection of everything I know about neuroscience and habits and learning and creativity. And I see them as going all together to, to trying to figure out how can we help people as things are changing so fast, continue to learn at a rate that can keep up with what's going on, but even more so get clear about what it actually is that you want to learn. And you can only do that by exploring and figuring out some of these things. Don't get me started on why we actually need that in our education system, but we'll, we'll talk about like us at this sure, point, yeah, yeah. you know, so um, maybe that can transition us to your book. If you want to tell us about how that came to be and um, it just made me think about kids and all of the creativity, the role of creativity. So can you tell us about that? 
so yeah, the recent book that just that we just put out, I say we because I I did not write it. I was only the illustrator. Stephanie uh, Kraus was the one who wrote the book through a variety of networking. We got connected and educator, counselor, has done the work with students and was wanting to create a book around how do we help kids, you know, live, learn, and thrive. And she was like, I just love the work that you're doing. I love just, it was just a, a great connection of like, we both are passionate about kids learning and how do we support kids. We're both parents. And it just started with conversation. And, and she's like, you know, let's just talk about this. Let's just figure out what it is we, you know, we both love and let's see if it's a good fit. And it, and it turned out to be a really great fit. And um, she has written a great book around how to support. And it's not just educators. It's for parents, counselors. It's for anybody who has kids. And it's all about coming up with, with structures that we can use in everyday life with kids. And so that's, we ended up coming with these characters that in this book that were diverse backgrounds, diversity in the kids and their journeys, which was awesome. And so in the end, it is about understanding kids and their needs and understanding the entire child, not just they have a, a specific setback or they have a specific disability or they have a specific um, demographic. Like it really is like looking at everything. And that's really how you approach kids when you're in education. You can't just you know, a, a kid is not, you know, one dimensional. You have to learn about everything that goes on to that kid. Yes, they show up at eight o'clock in the morning every day and they're in your classroom. But what are all the factors that affect a child? And um, it's hard. That's why teaching is hard. And that's why education is hard because it isn't just kids don't know how to be professional and show up to work every day, eight to five and do the things they have to do and supposed to do. Like they are they are in their world. I, you know, I have a 14 year old that's about to go into high school and I have to understand that it is not just, he has to go to school and do well. I have to know like what is affecting him in every way. And so this book really gives you places to go, things to think about, things to ask yourself, things to consider, frameworks to follow. That's all backed by research to help you become a parent, help you work with kids, help you understand like what are all the factors that affect a kid? How do I approach each of those factors? So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really you know fortunate that I was a part of that. Um, and we, it just the book just came out. I got, man, May, yeah. I think is when the book finally eventually Okay, I'm going to put that in our um, notes. I just wanted to make sure I put the title in there. So it's Whole Child, Whole Life, 10 Ways to Help Kids <laughs> Live, Learn, and Thrive. The other, I, I've got a kid's book, a kid's book that I illustrated. Hopefully it's coming in fall. I, I was just, you know, talking with the author. Again, I'm not a writer. I'm an <laughs> illustrator. I partnered with EduMatch Books and uh, partnered with an author, Bree, and she wrote a book around a student who loves to draw and how do I use my drawing for, for good. And it just, it made sense, like, for me to be a part of that. And it was really cool to, like, it's all about a little boy who, who loves to draw and is kind of understanding how, how does he use this as a way to make friends but not make enemies. And so, yeah, it's a really cool book. I'm excited about This is the second book that I've illustrated, kid's book that I've illustrated, but this is definitely, like, one that I'm really excited about. I, I had to learn how to illustrate children's book. I draw. I mean, I'm an illustrator, but... You know, to illustrate a kid's book, that's that's to learn. Like, you know, like I said, we're, we're all learners to go and, like, research. How do I do this? Like, I didn't go to college to be a traffic designer. It, it really was, like, trying to learn the right tools. Like, what works? Like, I, you know, those tools that I like to use, there was tools that I was, you know, use casually. So, yeah, it was it was a learning process for all of it. Like, I really, you know, was was 
proficient in one, you know, whether it was Procreate and then I had to learn, learn Illustrator on an iPad. And then it was all just learning, like really, I was fortunate enough that everybody was patient with me learning through all that, what tool I needed to pick. And fortunate that YouTube exists <laughs> and so does, you know, TikTok and Instagram and like reach, I even reaching out, like having a network of people that had done the work, which was great. I, it was just a, it, interesting to go through all of that and realize that, I don't know, it was kind of personal thing, personal goals for me. Like I was excited to illustrate a kid's book to begin with. That was something I was always wanting to do, but never thought it was attainable and considering the, the direction or the avenues I've gone in. So. I think, uh, you know, one thing that's standing out to me, and this might be because this is the space I've been thinking about so much, but just the power that you have in your own ability to learn and to grow and change yourself to say, like, I don't think you're quite giving yourself enough credit for all of the things, if I might say, for all of the amazing things that you've done in no, no. the areas, like maybe there's still a piece of this, uh, like a little bit of diminishing the power of art and that you are very clearly a talented artist and with the ability to use your art in a variety of ways, which I think is unique, um, that it's not in this one, I mean, there's wonderful people that do it in one like set and method, but I see as you just scroll your Instagram, you can tell the creativity will not stop. You won't run out of creative ideas. You won't run out of creative methods and ways to express. And I think that that is what is gonna make Hopefully, I, I would imagine people, and I, hopefully I'm in this category too, that we will be AI proof because we have creativity and we'll use AI for good. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and it'll, it'll make our thinking just more powerful instead of replaceable or something like that. I don't know. What do you think? For, no, for sure. Th th thank you. Like, I appreciate that. Like, I think it's, we get so focused as a creator is like, we are just like, we're doing the work, we're doing everything that, that goes into the work that sometimes we don't step away to appreciate what we've done and appreciate like, what happened. So it's great when you talk to people and they tell you those things because we are so focused. I mean, the same thing with like anything that you've done, like you, you're just yeah. so focused in it, you're into it, um, that it's hard to step away. And sometimes it's other people telling you that you're doing a great job. That's amazing. Like it, it's, but it's good to hear. It's good to hear those kind of things. I, I also like to think that my, like my emotions and my enthusiasm and my, like who I am comes out in my art. And this, this is my thing with, with, with AI and, and, and I'm sure at some point I, I will figure out how to make it work for me, but I want it to be a reflection of my personality, reflection of who I am, a reflection of, cause it is, it's just expression. Like it is expression, um, uh, of who I am. And I want that to be seen through my work. I'm not dismissing AI at all. I'm just saying as an artist who puts everything I do into my work and it's a true reflection of who I am. I am also, and, and this is more, maybe this is more so like AI filters. I don't know. Like it's just a button. It does it. And it's, it is, but I think there, there are definitely nuances within AI that is a reflection of that person. This is also like when it came to digital art, i almost felt kind of a, like an imposter with digital art because originally I was very paper, pencil, paper, pencil, like the stroke you make is a stroke that exists kind of thing. So with digital art, it took me a little while to get used to that, but that is who I am and I love it. And yeah, like I, I think it, it, as long as it's a reflection of really who you are and what you're trying to do and what you're trying to represent, um, I think that will 
I believe that will come through the art yeah. that exists or whatever it is, the product that exists. Okay, let's go to any of your upcoming projects you want to share, anything you're looking forward to, and then we'll do book recommendations and podcast recommendations and anywhere else we can find you. Yeah. Um, projects, man. I have like a, a few things coming up that I'm excited about. Um, one is an art fair. I have an art fair that I'm coming back to here in St. Louis. Which is exciting because I, I'd done my first art fair last year, which was interesting to put your stuff out and in a booth <laughs> and have people walk by or judge it or not even say anything. So that was a very vulnerable point for me. But I get to come back and do the same art fair. They asked me to come back, so I'm excited about that. I've got a few speaking engagements that come up this month and next month and then a couple in October that I'm excited about. What's interesting is now I, I have my full-time job as it is, but I also started to partner with Canva. Um, so that's going to, you know, open up some new doors and some new exploration of where can I add my like flair of, or my take on creativity with a product. So, like that's not normally what I do. I'm usually very much like that I, you can make this in anything. So, um, yeah, so I have some sessions coming up with Canva. Uh, I work part-time for them uh, as a consultant, so I get to do that work, which is cool. So ISTE was the first time that um, I was in a booth and I was presenting on a certain specific product and that's a different feeling for sure. Um, but it was exciting. So I have that, um, the book that comes out, the children's book that comes out in the fall, I'm excited about as well, just to see what happens with that. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, online workshops, <laughs> we've been talking about books a lot and partnering with people. In the background somewhere is running. I'm trying to put a book out for myself. And, I, and I'm saying that now so that I Yes, speak I have, it into the like, existence. I, I have to do it. Um, I know, yeah, I'm trying to speak it to an existence. But it is one of those things like perfection, perfection, perfection. And I'm just, I think maybe it's, you know, as I get older, I'm just like, just put it out. Like, just be done with it. So it is working in the background. I am like creating content around it. I am also somebody who does not like to necessarily always read books. So I'm trying to create a book for people who don't like to read oh, books, interesting. but want to consume information <laughs> and learn. So yeah, I, I'm excited. I, I think I had also listed, I'm just glad to not be doing anything. This summer is probably my, the slowest summer I've had in probably seven years. Yeah, it years, seems like you're doing a like lot that, of things still. Is this fantastic. is the slow summer. This still sounds like a lot. I know, I know, I know we're, this is great. I'm, I, I've learned to somewhat say no uh, at times. Uh, this time I've learned to say no. So I take a vacation two weeks, three weeks with my family and I have, I have nothing that I'm going to be like, okay guys, I got to sit with my iPad or I have to sit with my computer and do, um, which yes. is nice. So I can maybe enjoy myself. I but can't resonate I like with that create. overworking so at gonna... all. I mean, I'm not <laughs> like that at all. When you love what you do, it just happens. Like I, we took a couple days off and I'm, it and does. I read all of Tiago Forte's uh, Building a Second Brain. And I was like, why have I not read this book? This, and it, it turned on all these different ideas for connections to other work that I had done. And I was instantly yeah. in Notion, like, writing all my stuff down and like drawing it out, you know? And so I just can't really stop. But I, I have just yeah. accepted at this point in my life too, that that's just how I am and it's okay. Yeah, and it's okay. Like, yeah, I think you, I, I find moments to like have that where I'm not affecting everybody, which is good on top of the full-time jobs yes. that we have. I have coming out 
which is awesome. Great. Well, I want to stay in touch and hear when your future book comes out too. And so we'll have to follow yeah. you on yeah, all yeah. the socials and uh, Manuel, thank you so much for coming on. It was so fun to get connected and have this conversation yeah, no, and yeah. get to see all of your beautiful art out there and all the ideas that you're helping <laughs> to spur on. So thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Building Thinkers podcast. Now we have more ways than ever to stay in touch. So go to linktr.ee slash building thinkers and you can check out my newsletter, YouTube channel, and learn about my upcoming learning experience, Unlimited, Building a Modern Learning Habit. And if you're interested in that, you can join the waitlist to be the first to know when it's ready for a beta launch with a limited size group. And in the meantime, remember, there's no limit to what you can learn. And thanks for making the Building Thinkers podcast part of your modern learning habit.